Hi, friends. This is Ryan with the fourth episode of the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast. So thankful you decided to listen in. Uh, this is the first episode of 2016. So happy new year. Um, a little late, obviously, but uh, the holidays were absolutely hectic and plans for this that I had through the holidays completely tanked. That being said, I'm glad to be able to record an episode today. It has been a... It, it has been a miracle trying to get, get, get this episode recorded today because uh, I was recording it last night and fell asleep, um, and then I went to re- get up early this morning and record it, and I have two dogs who are completely obnoxious, and by the time I got them settled down, my three-year-old woke up, and well, I just cannot tell that kid no. Um, so, dad, dad's on time started really early this morning. So here I am. He's just had a nap, so I'm hoping I can get this out. So enough about me. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. This episode is about a simple phrase, a simple phrase and a story about a saint that I found just really, really moving, a story uh, from tradition about this particular saint, um, Saint Macarius, that really just touched my heart. It came to me at a very, very needed time, and it's a... It's a story I have to remind myself of pretty regularly. It's about Saint Saint. We're about this episode's about Saint Macarius and be, what it means to be dead in Christ. And uh, the church, as far as uh, I'll get into this, the tradition, the story in a minute. But as far as Saint Macarius, he was born in Egypt. He's he's often called Saint Macarius the Wonder Worker. Sometimes he's called Saint Macarius the Elder. Saint Macarius. Uh, the Egyptian. He was an Egyptian, and um, he was born to faithful believers in Christ. He grew up very pious in a very pious Christian family, and he became one of the early desert fathers, or the fathers of monastatism. I, I just butchered that. <laughs> Monasticism. There we go. Uh, so he he lived a great deal of his life in the desert wilderness in Egypt, and um Church tradition says that he trained over 400 men in the ways of Jesus and in the scriptures and in living a godly life to go forth and be who God needed them to be in this world. So um, pretty influential guy in church history. Um, he was very simplistic. He lived. As, uh, he's known for just living a very simple life, which are most of your monks or you know your monastery your the people that would uh, be in this movement were very simple people he was really known uh, for also his fight against arianism which eventually led to his exile uh, because you know people don't like <laughs> when you disagree with them and then in the area that he lived in the time that he lived it it come back you know to kind of bite him in the butt which happened to a lot of the early fathers because we had people that were exiled we had people that were martyred we had people who had their tongues cut out so they couldn't speak the gospel we had people whose hands were cut off so they couldn't write the gospel so all this stuff um pretty frequent happenings in this day and age when it comes to standing up for truth which is really you know, kind of has to put the change the perspective as far as what our culture considers persecution here in America, <laughs> and what I can you know what I so often uh, unfortunately have considered to be persecution from the world. I, it, it fills in comparison. It can't, can't even use that word. So he was persecuted. He was exiled. Oh, and the one reason they call him the Wonder Worker is because there's all these different miracles and things that they've attributed to him. Uh, in church tradition. So that's pretty cool stuff to look into. But 
this, there's this story about him in church tradition that I mentioned earlier that is really the primary thing that I'm going to be talking about in this episode. And it's a story, like I said, it come to me such at a perfect time. And um, it was just, it was really, really good. I can't, I can't really say enough about it. So I'll let it speak for itself. So I'm going to try not to butcher it too much. But a brother once came to Father Macarius and said to him, Master, speak some word of exhortation to me that obeying it, I may be saved. St. Macarius answered him, Go to the tombs and attack the dead with insults. The brother wondered at the word, but nevertheless he went, and as as he was told... And he cast stones at the tombs, railing upon the railing upon the dead insults. Then returning, he he told what he had done to he told what he'd done to Saint Macarius, uh, and Saint Macarius asked him, "Did the dead notice what you did?" And he replied, "They did not notice me, Father." Go then again," said Macarius, and this time praise them. The brother, wondering yet yet more, went and praised the dead, calling them just men, apostles, saints. Returning, he told what he had done, saying, I have praised the dead. Macarius asked him, Did they reply to you? And he said, They did not reply to me. Then then said Macarius, You know what you know what insults you have heaped on them, and with what praises you have flattered them, and yet they never spoke to you. If you desire salvation, you must be like these dead. You must think nothing of the wrongs men do to you, nor of the praises they offer you. Be like the dead, thus you may be saved. Uh, so this this story, like I said, it just came into me a perfect time about what it means to be dead in Christ. Because personally for me, I really struggle with people's opinions, and I think that's a pretty common thing, so I'm hoping some people can really relate to that. I really struggle with people's opinions about me, and I let it get to me, whether it be negative. negative. If, it's, if somebody has a negative opinion about me, I can say I don't care. I don't care what they think, but man, it literally eats me up inside. And really, that's the last two years. I've allowed a lot of people to wound me that I shouldn't, that either have hurt me intentionally or unintentionally and regardless um it it's caused it's caused some deep wounds in my heart but also on the flip side the more i allow people's negative opinions to affect me the more i crave people's praise and like man i've and this is crazy but i just want to be as candid as i can like i've had friends who have said something uh, you know good about me in a, in a conversation say on facebook I would literally like religiously check that status to see what other people were saying, like seeing, oh, you know, seeing what other people were responding or, you know, it's, it was self-obsessive. It's narcissistic. It's, you know, um, it was a need of approval. And so when I, when I read this story, uh, I actually read it several months back and it's something I continue to just revisit over and over because it is very profound it's very profound, especially for someone who struggles with people's opinions, whether they be good or bad. It and it's just it's very simplistic. So to be dead in Christ is to be dead to praise and blame equally. Uh, the the dead are totally deaf to praise and insult of those around them. To be dead in Christ is to be dead to the inflation of pride that comes from praises, and equally dead to the hurt that comes from insult of insult and injury. The opinions of men have no claim on our souls. The only opinion that holds any true merit on our lives is that of God's. 
he has the last word about us. That and that that's something that I'm really doing my best to try to just step back and remember is that God has the last word about my life. He has the last word about who I am. And at the end of the day, it's really only his opinion that matters. And um, that I'm not saying like, you know, every time somebody offers you a compliment, you do that. Oh, no, no, no. That's, you know, take that, you know, enjoy that. But don't let it become to a place to it. It inflates your pride. And that's that's where I'm at. It wasn't I just like getting compliments, you know, or I wasn't okay with getting com- compliments. It was like I craved them. I craved acceptance. I craved to appear to be someone. And that's pretty much been the majority of my life. And even within in ministry, I wanted to I wanted to look like somebody. I wanted I wanted somebody to look at me and think, you know, Ryan is this or Ryan, you know, is this or that or whatever. I wanted people to think highly of me. And it wasn't until after I stepped out of the the pastoral pastoral ministry that I was in, and it wasn't until we left the church that we had been a part of for like almost seven years that I finally decided, you know what, I. I don't have to pretend like I have my crap together. <laughs> uh, not that I still don't struggle with it, but I'm, I'm learning, you know, that really it's it's better it's better for me and it's more healthy for me and it's more healthy for relationships for me not to act like I have my crap together and for me not to to almost create a facade so people will think something positive of me. Um, now, granted, that is op- me being more candid has opened up a door for more people to give me negative comments and insults, but um, it's worked out, I would think. It, it's evened out, I guess. So, like I said, God has the last word on who we are and our souls. He has the last word about our being in general, and that that is completely freeing. And this truth is something... Uh, I've had to just continually remind myself of over and over, especially the last couple of months, I've really been struggling again with self-image and worthiness and unworthiness. And uh, so I, I've reminded myself of this story a lot because it's so easy for us to let in me, I, I say us, but me to let the opinions of people affect us uh, and, you know, just dictate how we see ourselves and how we approach things and, and things like that. So, but we have no obligation to the thoughts of our enemies or our peers because our life is not in them. It's in Christ. We are dead in Christ. And I think uh, another idea that would go kind of along with this is Thomas Merton in his books, New Seeds of Contemplation, which I highly recommend. And I have a podcast written out for that. Um, just not right now. Or I don't have, you know, I'm not going to record it right now. But something that he said that would just be perfect with this story is that love makes the question of worthiness uh, and this is not a direct quote, but he, he basically says the love makes the idea of worthiness ridiculous because there it, it, it just does away with it. it. Love loves us. God loves us not because we're worthy and not because we're unworthy, simply because we are lovable and he loves. So I think Thomas Merton's words really go well with that is that the whole question of worthiness just completely unravels. The whole question of whether we're someone or we're not someone just fades away in the presence of the light of God. And so uh, I just, I love, I love that book podcast coming on Thomas Merton soon. Fantastic author. 
Um, but as far as far as this story goes, like I said, it just came at me such a perfect time because like I I just I crave acceptance. And when so like I said, when I someone I know thinks badly of me, it just it wrecks my heart. Even if it's someone that I really might not even like, it bothers me and it. It's, it's crazy to me that so often we allow the people around us to dictate how we feel and how we think and how we live our lives. Um, but Holy Spirit, you know, you know, is joining in my weakness to remind me of the Father's deep love and acceptance for me. And so that's one thing I wanted to use, let this podcast be is maybe just to remind you that no matter what people think about you, good or bad, that God says you're lovable. That at the end of the day, that you are dead in Christ, and and when that mean, that means you are found in Him, and He He is in you, and you you are living, moving, and breathing. You have your whole being caught up in Him, and the Father is absolutely delighted in you, and He He delights in you, and He loves you, and you're you you are the you know the apple of His eye. So. Let that be foundational. Allow that that mentality to to remind yourself. You know what? I'm dead in Christ. Those things mean nothing to me. Those people's words they 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 cannot inflate me to a place that where I I think I'm some I think I'm something great that I deserve praise and they they can't lower me at all because I'm deaf to their praise and I'm deaf to their blame. And the only the only words that matter to me are what my Father has spoken over me. And that's that's for me. That's a place I'm trying to get to. That's a place I'm trying to to work my way into, I guess, and allow the Holy Spirit to just um, need that truth into me slowly and surely, like yeast into in, into a batter. We need to allow that to be, I guess, the foundation. That's simply that's essentially what I'm. I, I just really wanted to take this episode, and it's a little shorter than my normal episodes, but it just. There's just a lot to really just sit back and think and meditate on and just think about the the areas that you may and even me right now doing this, thinking of areas where I just let people's words affect me too much. I really do. So you're dead to it all. You're alive in Christ by, by this miraculous adoption of grace. And so like Paul, Paul says in uh, Colossians, in his letter to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 20, If you have died with Christ to the world's way of doing things, why do you let others tell you how to live? Is it as though it, it, it's as though you are still under the world's influence. So Paul is saying, you know, you're letting these people dictate you by their words. And I know that might be a little bit out of context, really, what Paul is saying. You know, he's, he's people that are lording over people with things, but... We allow people's words to lord over us. We allow people's words to dictate how we live our life. And we can't do that because the only only Lord we have is Christ. And the only thing that matters is that we, we, have, we have been buried with him in baptism. And we have, we've been raised to new life. We're a new creation in him. And we're partaking of a new creation. And those things of the world, whatever they have to say, whether it be good or bad, means nothing to us. Because at the end of the day, the only thing, the only thing that defines who we are is love is God's rich and merciful, unending, unyielding, relentless love. If there's anything true about us, if there's anything true at all about me and about you and about Billy down the road, it is that we are infinitely loved. That not despite of anything, not in spite of anything, we are simply 
loved. And there's nothing more true than that. And I felt like I kind of got a little off, but you know, this, like I said, this story just came to, like I said, like I said, I've said, like I said, like 20 times. So sorry about that. Um, but it just, it was just really moving to me. It, it was a reminder that, that my life is in Christ. My life is in God. It's caught up in the divine, uh, the divine power and the divine love. And it's caught up in the father and it's caught up in this just in everything that is good and beautiful with the world. And that's, that's what defines me. That, that has to be what defines me. And I have to learn to listen to that. Now that voice, that, that voice, that, that those words of defining and reminding may come through someone else like now, like me, like I'm telling you that you're infinitely loved. I'm not trying to build you up to a prideful area, but I believe that is something that is foundationally true about who you are and who I am. And that's where we have to live, right there in that truth, in that in-between, that worthiness doesn't matter, that love has literally done away with all wor- all questions of worthiness or of unworthiness, and the world's praise and the world's blame doesn't mean a thing to us because the only thing that defines us is the fact that we are loved by God. And that's it, because we're dead to everything else. <laughs> we're, we're, we're only alive to life. And all those other things that want death, are, we're dead to it. We're, we're dead to death. So, like I said, that story just touched my heart. And it really is something I keep reminding myself of. So I just wanted to be able to share that. I hope that you got something out of that. And as far as the podcast, I just, you know, is coming down. want to go uh, talk a little bit about some other stuff coming up. I have about six months or more now. Actually, really more than I pretty much have almost a whole year's worth of podcast material written out, ready to go. It's just a matter of getting it into my busy schedule. And I love this. I love doing it. I love getting in here in the back of my house, (laughs) ranting into a microphone to you about my life and about God and about dead people. So not everyone might love it as much as I do, but I'm thankful you're listening. So just, I ask that you just pray for me. Um, and pray for this project and pray for our family. There's a lot of stuff going on, um, and we just need some clarity from God. We need some. We need to be able to see clearly, and we need to be able to focus our energy on things that are going to be profitable for our family, whether that be financial or, or you know financially or um, emotionally and spiritually. And the things we we just really need to uh, get some clarity on some things so we can feast on what is beneficial to us instead of chasing things that aren't good for us and doing things that aren't producing life and aren't creating more unity in our home and things like that. We we have our second son will be here. Um, hopefully he'll wait a few weeks, but uh, he seems to be uh, hell-bent on coming soon like his early brother. So I, I just ask you to pray for that. Pray for um, just the stress in that situation. If you are a parent, you pregnancy. I'm so glad. I'm not the one pregnant, but man, it is stressful, especially when you have kids that are trying to come early. So we're super excited about that. Lots of exciting things ahead as far as our family goes in that nature. But uh, again, I just ask you to just pray for that. I don't, um, I don't know. I just, 
thank you for listening. And I, I just hope that you'll, you'll pray for us and you'll pray for this project. I hope it blesses you. Um, if you have it, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's really more like meditation, uh, with some updates occasionally. And I plan on doing something very extensive through the season of Lent and Christmas. And like I said, the holidays just really got, um, bad <laughs> uh to say the least it, it just it was really rough so if you could just remember that and also if you will remember my family my grandmother is sick they believe she has leukemia and i think best case scenario they're saying a few weeks and it's really hard it'll, this if my grandmother passes it'll it'll be the third person in our family's lost in six months so i just ask you just remember our family and that and um you just uplift us because it, like I said, it's just been a really, really tough six months. And I'm hoping and praying that 2016 is looking um, much better. And it's kind of been half and half so far. So uh, again, I appreciate everything. I appreciate you listening. If you will just share this episode, if it blessed your heart uh, or any of the episodes, um, if you can give us a review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. If you hate the show, please don't give me a review. I need to know what I need to fix. I need to know what I need to tweak. I need to know what what you like and what you don't like. So a review and a, a share on Twitter or Facebook just means so much more than you could ever imagine. That's it. I'm going to quit ranting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you as you continue the rest of your week or whatever it is you got going on. Uh, my prayer is that grace will find you and that in peace will just settle in your spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter what anyone is saying negative or positive about you, you will know that the the only thing that defines you is that you are infinitely loved. That at the very core, you are infinitely, relentlessly loved. And that's all that matters. That is absolutely all that matters. Grace and peace. Till next time.